presented by The Hockey Shop. Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. I'm Darren Millard, and today we are thrilled to be joined by a former Vancouver Canuck, a former Canadian Olympian, a great goaltender, and a man that has done an incredible job raising awareness of mental health. Corey Hirsch will stop by the program for an extended conversation with Kevin Woodley. We are also going to chat a little bit about that thing that goes in your head, masks, not just the plastic that protects your noggin, but all the parts that work together as we spend some time out at uh, the hockey shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com, as we bring in the co-founders of Ingoal Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. Um, I'm not sure exactly what kind of moods you guys are in right now, because as goaltenders and people that take the position so seriously, you might be a little bit off your games because of st- the goals that are being scored in the National Hockey League right now, Hutch. I mean, there's a lot of them. I Everybody's noticing all of them. And I I used to be that guy who says a one nothing game with a lot of great scoring opportunities is what I love because I'm a goaltender. But I like seeing these goals too, I got to say. Seeing all the offense, it's, it's really, for me, it's about the chances because we're seeing some incredible saves as well. I just have to point out, though, this is our first ever uh, international recording. We've got our U.S. office and our Canadian office is online today. Right. Isn't that exciting? This is incredible. How are things south of the border? Uh, they're, they're good. Uh, the, the hockey team's playing playing well, a little uh, uh, up and down, but uh, but exciting hockey. And I'm enjoying my time in the, uh, on the strip and, and getting my way around and getting settled. So you guys, Woody, will you come down and visit Oh yeah, that's a tough ask. That's oh, that that's not going to be a problem at all. But just one invite, just one invite. Well, you're, yeah, I'll stay you, at home. You you invited guys have somebody's dad's got to take care of the shop. Who's getting invited? Yeah. To, who's getting invited to Vegas? Me or dad? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And dad, dad, you know what? You can come at Christmas. Oh, thanks, son. <laughs> hey, well, I was just going to say, Darren. Speaking of getting settled and all the goal scoring, weren't we having this conversation last year? And people were, well, we didn't have a podcast last year, but weren't people having this conversation last year? And a lot of the talk was about the smaller chest and arms. Offense was up. How much of it was the gear? Um, I remember stories. I remember talking to other people. I remember getting, you know, direct messages from other reporters about this. And part of this is every year. New teams, new coaches, new systems, new bodies, more chances, more mistakes, looser defense. Trust me when I say this. It will tighten up. It will start by the end of the month. It will really crank down at Christmas. The whistles will go away and we'll rebut right back to where we were. I talked to a player about three days ago uh, on a visiting team. We were, we were chatting on the phone and he said, it's not, it's not even real hockey right now. It's, it's still just a spillover of summer hockey. So that goes to, uh, to what you were talking about, Woody. But I also worked the game. I worked a game in which the Arizona Coyotes had five and a half breakaways. I mean, one was just a, a little one. Five and a half <laughs> breakaways in one game, and they have they have ten in in three games. Unreal. That's incredible. It's like it's it's like the All Star Game argument, or you yeah. know, as I like to say, the twenty seven eighteen New York Islanders argument, right? Um, if you're going to give up chances, there's going to be goals. Everybody that bitches and whines about the goalies being too good and they've never been better. The reality is, and it's funny, Craig Anderson said this a few weeks ago on our podcast, you give today's shooters time and space in the slot and 
if they hit their spot, they're probably scoring. And that's just mm-hmm. the reality. If you can create that type of wide open offense and the other, there are trends here. I shouldn't be so blanket statement, but um, you know, let's be honest, the Pittsburgh Penguins with their back-to-back cups, the way they created offense with lateral plays across the, across the slot line, the way they focused on preventing those defensively, the Washington Capitals, uh, they turn their offense over to their goalie coach, Scott Murray, and focus on lateral plays and crossing the slot line with passes in the puck. Don't shoot on a two-on-one um, from the slot. Make sure you try and get that pass across because even if it only gets across three out of four, the chances of those three going in compared to shooting the the lead guy, all four, uh, the numbers just say it's better. I wonder if those trends are starting to creep in. We are seeing more plays from behind the net and lateral type of attacks. And so maybe this will keep up and maybe that's all part of it. Teams figuring out that, uh, you know, pass off pads and traffic to the net is a little cliched and outdated in terms of the real way you create offense. But for the most part, I think it's just like your player said, Darren, it's it's shinny hockey. It's wide open. Nobody's cranked it cranked it down defensively yet. I uh, I saw something that uh, that that bothered me a little bit. We have another clipboard sighting of uh, of the backup goaltender on the oh, bench. Who's oh, that? Who's, yeah. who, who's, who's, it used to be it used to be always Detroit. Like Mike Babcock does it. Mike Babcock, uh, with his yeah. goaltenders, and now it's now it's 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 happening uh, with Toronto, where the backup goaltender charts charts faceoffs and uh, and shots, and it spilled over to the Ottawa Senators. DJ Smith, DJ a disciple Smith, of, of course, Mike Babcock, yeah. Yeah. Uh, has it, and Craig Anderson was spotted the other night uh, with a clipboard in hand. Charting, charting things on the bench. That, and you don't uh, like that? I bet you I, he's I thrilled. I think it's ridiculous. I Why? bet you he is thrilled. I think it's absolutely in the National Hockey League that your backup goaltender sits there with a clipboard with all the advanced stats that we have uh, is, is charting things. I think it's purely a make work project. I you're have to just, talk to Mike about this yeah, at, at some point. You're just grinding for the DJ days Smith of Cheech and the Hot Dogs. We, we should probably explain the reasoning behind it. We've done stories at it on Ingle. Yeah. Actually, I think, to be honest with you, we were the first ones to sort of identify and write about this uh, way back in the day. Um, the concept is if your backup is charting the faceoffs, it's not so much that your coach is going to use it. They got a million coaches and video and eyes in the sky and earpieces and like they got all the data they need. Babcock does. He, he actually, always takes the little sticky and looks at it and then puts it, puts on the it, glass, puts it down. He? Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So he uses it, but the idea is you're supposed to keep the guy engaged. That's the philosophy behind it. The complaint from the backup goaltenders besides, you know, um, having to do something is they've almost been killed because they've got their head down looking at the chart and a puck goes whirring by. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember who it was. I think it might've been, geez, was with the Red Wings. Was it Jimmy Howard or was it even way back before that? Was it Ozzy? It might've been Ozga. Just told me how he almost got murdered. I've had the conversation with Ozzy. He hates it more than anything on the planet. Like go, go down the list. That's how much he dislikes charting. And he would he would intentionally screw it up, uh, so they wouldn't ask him to do it anymore. He was he he would well he had some tenure, so he could do things like that. But he would he he disliked it so much, and and he got me on board with this. Nice. See, so Ozzy's coming through town with the Red Wings in a week or so. So I'm yeah. de- that's for sure. I'm trying to get him. As a guest for us, uh, in addition to both Howard and, and Bernie, we start banking some of these guys. And for sure, that is now the first question. So, Ozzy, what do you think of this, Millard, this great trend? Millard of- says that you love charting uh, love charting the, the face-offs and the shots. And just watch his head explode. 
<laughs> it'll, it'll be fun. I'm on it. Uh, so uh, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports story. They they must be hopping right now, Woody. Yeah, it's uh, you know it, it's there aren't very many lulls in the season there, but most of the kids have got their gear and they're they're back on the ice and well into playing, and so it's kind of that time of year where most of the major purchases have been made. Um, and I thought it was a good time to talk about some of the smaller things surrounding your head. And so we hit up Cam to talk about, you know, parts for cages, for masks, sorry, cages, uh, replacement hardware. But more importantly, Cam had some good advice on when it's time to change those things. I, it's ironic. It's much like the mental training, right, guys? We talked about this when we had John Stevenson. It's so important, and yet it's all, almost always an afterthought. New new pads, new gloves, new chest protector, and yet we'll go out there on the ice in a cage that's dented, or some of us, <clears throat> um, without a dangler. Um, so Cam did a really good job of walking us through, and we'll listen to him as he walks us through all the different parts they have, the different accessories, the different pieces you can get to kind of keep your head safe, and in some cases, keep it drier. Uh, and I guess that's a great example, a great segue in terms of why I love the hockey shop and why I love going there. Uh, it's not just because they have all the latest and greatest from CCM, Bauer, Bryans, uh, Vaughn, Warrior, all the names, but they've got the parts, they've got the accessories, they've got those unique little items that might get overlooked in a bigger store, and they understand when to use them, why they're needed, they make sure they have all that in stock, and if you go in there with a question like, hey, this mask is starting to rattle, this mask is worn out here, can I replace the foams, can I do this? Do I just need to have a new cage? Not only do they have the parts for it, but they got guys down there in the basement that play the position, that love the position, that live and breathe the position like like our audience, like us, and that's why they're the best choice. So make sure you check them up at the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports in Surrey, or at thehockeyshop.com for all your needs, whether it's big equipment purchases or just a new set of nuts and bolts to keep that cage attached to your mask and your head safe. Talking about the small things in and around their head. Insert the joke there. Inside the head, the small thing. Woody's brain? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Here's Cam and Woody at the hockey shop. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, source for sports in Surrey, British Columbia, the outskirts of Vancouver. You can find them, of course, online at thehockeyshop.com. We're back in the basement, or as I call it weekly, a little slice of goalie heaven and Cam. We've actually caught a momentary lull. So we're going to take advantage of it and actually do this episode out in all the glory of the main sort of hockey shop gold apartment floor space. So I'm going to need you to carry this because I'm going to be distracted looking around at all the brand new, gorgeous, multicolored equipment from all the top manufacturers while you explain to me, kind of trying to pull me back and pull my focus back in on the topic this week, which is masks not so much new masks and caring for them although sorry not so much just new masks and buying them although you've, i'm looking to my right and i see an entire wall ccm bauer uh, looks like you've got some some of the smaller brands up there as well uh, just tons of mass selection but this is more about taking care of them when it's time to replace them what are your options for sort of refurbishing them along the way so i turn it to you what do you look for? When's it time to replace? When can you maintain? What kind of things can you fix and what kind of things can't you? Let, let's start with the easiest thing off the bat, and that happens to be the cage, because the most common like repair that we do here in the shop. Um, and when I say repair, it's a replacement, because you can't repair a dented cage. It's kind of like a bike helmet. 
If you get hit hard enough for the cage to dent, it's like if you fall off a bike and your bike helmet cracks, it's done its job. Now you need to replace it. Fair? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the cage is designed to to bend in with the shot, but once it has, you are, your steel is compromised basically. And your welds are compromised. Exactly. Exactly. So it is time to replace. Um, We've definitely seen it all here and a lot of horror stories and whatnot aside. Um, That said, we've got a lot of replacement cages in stock. Probably have it for your helmet. Um, got a couple different colors too as well. Yeah, uh, I was I noticed that not just silver, but you got some that are painted white, some painted black, some painted red even. So for guys that want to sort of match a cage and not have to do their their own sort of powder coating uh, to match it, there are some options here. Are there different brands? Or are they mostly stock, or do you have some some third party stuff here as well? Um, uh, not too much for the third party stuff. Most of it is uh, like a direct replacement cage for whatever said mask you're looking at. So your CCM, your Bauer, um, and even uh, Coveted we have and Sports Mask, um, all in stock. So they are kind of specific for the mask they are going on, but uh, well, you got them, and you know, again, please please replace your cage if it's dented. <laughs> <laughs> There's just been so many, so many bad ones that we've seen recently. So, you know, check your mask, check your cage. If you think it's dented or it looks kind of off, you know, it's time to replace it. So our listeners can't really see me right now, but I have a very sheepish look on my face because I've been playing with a dented cage for a little while. So it's bad. I know, I know. And unfortunately, I also play with a cage that might be <clears throat> illegal here in Canada. Um, and you can't sell me a replacement because it's a cat eye. So, but what kind of options do you see in sort of the, you know, the the certified, the CSA approved version of a cat eye? What are the differences that you see for in terms of straight vertical bars versus some of those options that are cat eye, but actually certified so extra bars not the big space that we see in the nhl yeah we carry uh two certified uh cat eye cages and one's for a bower one's for a ccm they're basically the same design as both so what's happening here is that they're it's actually the premise of a cat eye cage but they've added more bars in so the opening's not as big so you can't fit a stick way through it uh which is the big kind of deal so really really good for straight ahead vision um i do find they get a little cloudy especially with the extra bars in the side but especially with head trajectory now and days like that, you should be turning your whole head anyway and not seeing out of your peripherals. So yeah, it's kind of important to, to actually, you see with your head, not your eyes, uh, as the saying goes. So um, peripheral plays a role, but not as important as it used to. So the other one too that I liked is, uh, and I've used this one before on a certified, is the, is the sort of straight, Bar, the square certified cage, sort of square bars. We talked about Tim Thomas on the podcast. We've talked about him in the past, how he liked straight vertical lines. He felt he saw through them better, mm-hmm. just what he was used to compared to a cat eye. Um, but I like in some of them where, where the bars really nicely thinned out as opposed to a thicker rounder bar. They've gone with an almost... Rectangular you know, shape. Yes. Rectangular. There's yeah. the word I'm looking for. Uh, for strength and also for vis- visibility as well. Um, but as we both know, when it comes to masks, there's not just cages that need to be replaced. Um, and we have a whole swack of other things that you can add as well. So one of the things that we usually see over time is that, uh, the hardware gets a little bit rusty, um, especially if people haven't been taking their masks out and drying them properly. Now, this is a big point you wanted to make yes. on this podcast. If you have a mask that co- they all come with bags or most of them come with a mask bag. Yeah. Um, I'm a guy who used to throw my mask just straight into my gold bag and then pull it out. But right now with it, with a new mask, I'm putting it in the mask bag and into my gold bag. And then when I get home, I am wisely taking it out of that gold mask bag. Some people don't. And that contributes to 
quicker wear and tear, quicker deterioration. Walk us through why it's important to not leave your sweaty mask in that mask bag after you get home. Yeah, and it's all to do with the, the moisture, um, the rust, uh, especially on any of your hardware. Um, it makes it very, very hard to replace your cage, especially when it is rusty. Um, one of the other things, too, um, is that uh, your foam will also degrade uh, quicker without uh, having um, without it drying properly. We've seen too some of the uh, some of the newer masks have foams that tend to absorb a little water rather than repelling them. Um, so again, just uh, important to maybe get it out of the bag, squeeze out some of that excess water if you can, and give it an opportunity to dry overnight. It's not going to get to do that. Even if your bag has mesh holes in it, it's just not the same level of breathability. Exactly, exactly. So all the whole entire purpose of taking it out of the bag. Um, but now, the- some people use dryers. For their gear, would you recommend not using it on a mask? Because again, adding heat to some of these parts is that something you got to be careful of? You got to find a fine line there. Yeah, exactly. That's why I tend to just um, just have it air dry, just have it out and let it uh, somewhere where air can circulate kind of all the way through. Now those dryers they do help, but as long as it's not, I put it like on the top shelf of the dryer, for example, so it doesn't have direct heat or anything like that. But if you have one of those dryers, it's just mainly airflow, like it should be fine. Okay, so we've talked about make sure you keep it out of your bag. We've talked about cage replacement. We talked about making sure you don't have rusty bolts or bent cages. You also sell chin cups. That was one thing I hadn't thought of. I've used uh, using the CCM Lefebvre mask currently right now, and that chin cup, again, because there's so much sweat, uh, it can get a little worn out and a little beat up over time. You sell replacement parts uh, for several different brands on the chin cups. Um, yes, it is something that gets worn out quite easily, um, and it's a quick replacement. Um, same thing. That's why we carry a whole swack load of sweatbands um, as well. Um, something that's a little bit of a nice product that we uh, like to push every now and then would be the ShamWow sweatbands. Especially if you sweat a lot, these things work fantastic. Big. I'm big on the ShamWow. Um, not just because the advertorials and that guy who used to promote them was hilarious, but like the ShamWow sweatband for goalies is legit. I will come. I'm a guy. I'm a heavy sweater. Uh, I'm old. I, I can lose like five to eight pounds a game in in fluids. Um, I come off the ice, uh, we have a dry scrape at one of my skates. And even then I come off and I just like wring out the ShamWow sweatband and guys can't believe how much water comes out of that thing. So if you are a heavy sweater, um, it's a, it's a great alternative to sort of absorb it and for at least for a while before it starts running down your face and making you blind. You, you heard it here, folks, the Kevin Wildey stamp of approval. Yeah, the heavy sweater stamp of approval. Um, but some other options, too. You've got gold masks, uh, some terry cloth ones from Nash. Uh, you've got ones from Sport Mask. Harnesses, mask harnesses. There's another one. Uh, we've seen it. I uh, have a post about how the Canucks Utica equipment manager um, sews it so it be, so that the he sews the harness so that you can see the whole back plate and some of the artwork on some of his goalie's back plate. You've got some options here stocked that'll allow you to sort of expose the, have the harness sort of clip around the loops as opposed to running over the back plate and hiding the artwork. Yeah, that's correct. So it gives, um, again, we actually have a product that does this made by Nash. Um, they're hidden back plate straps. So again, if you have a little bit of artwork on the back of your helmet and you want to want to show it off to the world, you have that option. Or if you're just looking for the standard replacement straps, we've got those two. Um, we're, run-of-the-mill five-point harness, easy to replace, and we got lots of them. Or if you're like me and you ask the artist to put the names of your wife, kids, and dog on your back plate, and he puts your dog on top of and ahead of your wife, it's probably best to just go with the original harness and hide all that. I, I would I would probably hide that. Yeah, that, would, that didn't go over well. Didn't go over well. 
Okay. Anything else on the mask front? We've talked about taking care of them. Uh, one of the other items that we see hanging here, I know Darren Millard is going to give me and Hutch crap when he hears this because neither one of us wears it, but the importance of a dangler for those who prefer to use it and some of the options on a dangler. Yes. Uh, again, we carry a few, few different options here. Um, basic dangler, the Nash ones are usually our good go-to. Um, put it this way, they're all made out of the same plastic. Um, that said, it's definitely something like it would encourage you to wear. Like, you know, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't wear one either. But, you know, we've been, you know, I'm staring at a giant bruise on your collarbone. I had one recently as well. Uh, we wore danglers, that probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah, nobody said we were the brightest guys. Do as we say, not as we do. All right, Cam, I think that wraps it up. Uh, last question. When. When is it too much? When is the rusted hardware, the dented cage, you can replace all that? When is it time to just seriously consider getting a new mask? What are some of the telltale signs? Cracks in the shell. Um, that's the most important one to take a look for. So as long as your the shell of a mask is structurally sound, usually in most cases you're still good. But if you're starting to see like cracks down to the fiberglass, you know, certain points of the mask, you can actually flex because the foam or uh, material is degraded that much. It's time for a replacement. Is there a time frame on that? I guess it depends on how many guys play. But I mean, if you're wearing a mask that you've been wearing for three or four years, are you probably running a risk at that point? Uh, depending on, again, the structural integrity of your shell. Um, that all comes down to that. The hard part there, though, is a lot of those cracks will be underneath the foam. Mm -hmm. And so you never see them. One thing I had a couple of NHL equipment managers over the year tell me is, if you've got a mask where you've taken shots off the head, it never used to ring. And all of a sudden, it's just ringing all the time. It's causing ringing. That might be a sign that you've got some cracks you can't see and that, that integrity has gone and that's what's leading to that ring. So that might be one way of checking because, like I said, a lot of those cracks can occur underneath the foams. It's not like you're going to take it apart, although Bauer has one where you can actually, you know, just unscrew a few things and manually the foam will come out. I like that option. Um, but for most, the reality is you can't see those cracks. Yeah, yeah. So th that was another good point. Like if you are starting to have that ring and you are starting to have, you know, again, you're starting to feel more than you used to, you know, it's probably a good sign that, time for something new and if you're like me and you just hear voices in your head that might have nothing to do with the mask integrity it may just be a problem yourself <laughs> so anyways cam thanks for walking us through the masks uh, make sure you check him out check out all these options for masks like i said everything from hardware new cages um danglers sweatbands chin cups they've got it here at the hockey shop source for sports in surrey and at the hockey shop.com uh if you've got questions about them make sure you contact them and where can they get a hold of you cam because i know you guys are the experts if they've got a weird obscure question chances are you've seen it and you have the answer 604-589-8299 okay perfect cam thanks for taking the time with us this week thanks Cam. finally we, we we get some progress on the dangler front. I'm I'm so excited. So progress? Woody Well, Woody Woody's got some grief here about not wearing the dangler. And are are you going to come on board? Woody? No. Yeah, I'm not on board. Cam's not on board. Woody's not on board. You're you're the lone wolf here. Well, Woody not. took a shot in the in the collarbone, so he surely he's going to see the light. I mean I've it's not broken, is it? It's just a little bruise. That's like a badge of honor for us goalies, isn't it? No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, I I do struggle with them, Darren. But uh, this was a doozy, and uh, so yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll have to at least give it a shot and give it a fair chance. Because to be honest with you, I never really have. And 
it's much like that conversation we just had with Cam and he's talking about, you know, here I am giving people grief for, you know, buying new pads, but not taking care of say their skate blades or their mask. And he talks about cages and once it's dented, it's done. And I've got a cat eye that's dented all the way down to my cheek um, from a guy who played at a high level and I've been wearing it for months and it's about the stupidest thing you could do. So maybe when I get my new cage and, and wisely replace the safety elements of that, I'll add a dangler just to give it a shot. And mostly Darren, just to be honest with you, just mostly to make you happy. Uh, so you're at the hockey shop more than any person I know. Like you're almost at the hockey shop more than cam is. Why do you get that cage replaced? Um, cause they can't sell them. This might be an in- oh this right. might be a bit of an indictment to answer this honestly, but I, <laughs> I I wear a cage that is not technically legal to play in in Canada. I may have had to lean yeah. on one of our equipment buddies to to maybe pull one of a titanium cat eye cage off a of Carey Price's shelf in the warehouse and send it to me. <clears throat> um, so yeah, uh, my so if the guy that runs my beer league, the commissioner and the referees are listening. Please ignore this comment because technically <laughs> I'm not supposed to be playing in it. But I think like a lot of us, um, again, just probably another stupid risk uh, just because I want to see the puck better. Huh. I have a cat eye that I guess technically a stick blade could maybe wake its way through one day and it's probably not worth it. Just- I've gone to the straight bar cage and, and I never, really? ever, 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 ever thought I would. Good but I did. You. you and Tim Thomas. There you go. Maybe yeah. I, I, once again, maybe that's what I do. Put on the straight bar cage. Get rid of the dented cat eye, try a dangler, and buy some bubble wrap and just wrap myself in it and go out there like a giant bubble boy. You're like you're a walking time bomb. Well, Dad, talk to him, please. I, I have the same problem. It's do as I say, not as I do. Hmm. So I I would make any goaltender I work with uh, use all of the above because there's no more important piece of yourself that you need to look after than your head. Um, but I just haven't been able to get there. And quite frankly, most of the guys I play against don't shoot as hard as the average peewee anyway, so it doesn't matter for me. Yeah, when they stop to flip the puck on edge to raise it over you. Yeah, there you that's go. A, that's a sign. That's, yeah, a, that's exactly. a sign. All I have to do is lie down along the goal line and I got the whole net covered. <laughs> uh, great interview coming up. Uh, our feature interview this week is with Corey Hirsch, uh, an incredible junior a national hockey leaguer, an Olympian. I've had a chance to work with him a little bit in the broadcasting side and uh, an advocate of mental health. So Woody, uh, set up your conversation with Corey. Yeah, you know, and and I'm not going to pretend that we were this bright or that we had this great master plan. And that's why we've made you wait an extra day for the In Goal podcast this week, because we wanted to talk to Corey on World Mental Health Day, which is October 10th. Um, but it's kind of fitting that that's the way the schedule worked out for this, this us this week. Um, Corey actually was taking part in a seminar uh, environment today for the afternoon. And I was supposed to meet him downtown to do this interview. I think it ran one to five. Uh, by the time he got out of the room, it was seven o'clock. And and Corey being Corey, he was just like uh, as apologetic as you could be because I was downtown waiting on him. Um, but like, as I told him, no need because I, I've, I knew exactly what happened and he confirmed it. Like all these people wanted to talk to him after um, to either ask him questions, ask him about how to get help or to, to just open up to him. Um, something I've done, uh, you know, recently as well. And I think that speaks to the strength of his story 
And I speak, think it speaks to the bravery he showed in coming forward with that story at a time as when he said when he did it, um, you know, he wasn't sure if this would cost him the ability to work in hockey, uh, forget as a, as a coach or as a broadcaster, like he wasn't sure how this would be received. And his story in the Players' Tribune opened up a lot of doors and opened up a lot of conversations about mental health. We talk about that. We talk about, you know, some of the other people that have followed, Robin Lehner. We've obviously had Clint Malarchuk and his incredible story on the podcast as a guest. Um, we talk about Justin Goldman and the Goalie Guild and the work he's doing with Lift the Mask, uh, Ben Meisner. A lot of goaltenders, it seems, seem to be on the forefront of sharing these stories. And I think they should be applauded for it. Um, because it encourages other people to be brave enough to share theirs and to get help. And that's the message Corey delivers as we sat down and talked, but we also had some fun. It wasn't just about that. It was about the career that surrounded it because as much as that's become a big part of who he is today and helping people, um, he had a hell of a career. He had a, he had a fun career and a lot of big moments within there. And, and the fact he did a lot of it early on um, while trying to battle these things secretly uh, is is all the more incredible to me. So I really enjoyed it. And uh, I think our readers or listeners, not readers, will too. It's a, a far a wide-ranging conversation uh, discussing mental health, uh, goaltending, the gear, and our gears, if you want to put it uh, towards your, your head. The feature interview, Corey Hirsch on In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports Surrey and The Hockey Shop. All right, so we're here with Corey Hirsch in Vancouver, where you are now working as an analyst on Sportsnet Radio, but where you also play. So there are so many ways we could go here, and we're going to get into so many things, Corey. We're going to talk about growing up, what you loved about the position. We're going to talk about some of the work you've done. Uh, it's World Mental Health Today, Day Today, World Mental Health Awareness Day. We're going to talk about that, um, the article you wrote. We're going to talk about playing through the 90s. We're going to talk about gear. But because it's the Canucks, we're in Vancouver, and I'm looking at a picture of you behind you over your shoulder with the Alfred Hitchcock mask. So I'm going to start there. I'm going to start with gear. That mask, equipment, like was that part of what, you know, we always ask guys what, what made you fall in love with the position? Oh, yeah. Did equipment play a role? It's gear, equipment 100%. So I grew up watching 70s goalies. Um, Mike Palmatier, Ken Dryden. And what I loved about the position was the, the characters that you became when you put the equipment on. Like Ken Dryden off the ice was kind of a, a bit of a nerd. He's like a nerdy Cornell college guy, right? But you put the equipment on and he becomes this character. Um, and his mask is iconic. And the same thing with, uh, with Mike Palmatier. So I, I, I've gotten to be friends with Mike Palmatier now, which is really, which is so cool uh, because I idolized him growing up. But when you, when you put the equipment on, he, the, just the, the masks and the paint jobs and the equipment that they could wear and that they were all different. And it all, what I loved about it was your equipment reflected your personality. And I, not to get into today, but I feel that's lost a little bit in today's game. Is, is the personality doesn't match the equipment anymore. And that's what I miss about goaltending. Okay, so the, on that yeah. note, you just mentioned Paul Matier, and he was a name that came up today because remember when he went out for the Winter Classic yeah. game wearing an old school mask and a gear? And then here we are in Vancouver. We've just had the 50th anniversary home opener, and Kirk McLean skates so cool. out. 
in his, you know, a, a replica of his 94 set, his 94 mask, a Hespler wood stick. Right. And, and that old, you know, spaghetti yeah. skate jersey that you wore, the black and the gold and the and the orange. Yeah. Um, what does that do for you I, when you saw those guys, whether it's Paul Matier or whether it's Kirk last night, out in that old gear? Does it transport you back to their so, era? Yeah. And that I think then we you and I talked about this. That's what that's what um I love was, is that it's like going back in time and, and you're, you're that kid again, watching Mike Palmatier play. Uh, or, you know, when I first broke into the league, I was, I was 23 years old when I got traded to Vancouver and all of a sudden I'm playing with Kirk McLean. And, you know, even in the 94 Stanley cup finals, like that was the, that was the equipment that it just brings you back to that time. There's a nostalgia there that we all love. And, um, and again, even back then, like the gear represented the goalie. Uh, and so when you saw that type of equipment, well, who do you think of? You think of Kirk McLean. When you saw, um, who, who else? When you saw Patrick Waugh with those old coho pads with the big, well, you, who do you think of? You see those pads, you see Patrick Waugh. So it, it brings you back to that time and that goalie. And I was the guy that, that sent the video out. Well, again, we talked about this, about the goalie equipment being able to be reduced. Well, one is because I'm, I was a goalie. I knew what could be reduced and what couldn't. People felt like I sold goalies out. I wasn't selling them out. I was doing my job. And, um, you know, the fact is, is that, uh, you know, when, when, when guys put on the gear, they became a different character. And that's what I love. That's where the Alfred Hitchcock mask comes from was, was even that. Um, it was, it's such an iconic moment. Okay. So the Hitchcock mask, that, represented that was part of your personality. We got another mask here that's got some some native themes on it from when you were in Vancouver. Were both of those Harrisons? Was that so I had so Patty O'Neill um sent me to get a Harrison mask because he had a uh he liked his goalies wearing Harrison masks. Uh, and Kay I think Kay Whitmore had one. I think Kirk McLean had one. So I fly to Toronto and Harrison brings me into this like warehouse and I've never met the man before. But I know that he's made all these iconic masks. He's, so he's I'm the like, guy. I'm like, this is like meeting the creme de la creme of like, this is this. You he's might like as the well, Yoda of yeah, goalie masks. Right. You might as well introduce me to like Tom Cruise or something, right? Like celebrity wise. So I go and, and I get there and he's just kind of an offbeat guy. And I'm like, kind of like, oh, where is this going to go? Like, is this going to. So he takes me back into this warehouse and it's like Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> he sits me up in this chair, slaps a ton of Vaseline on my face, and then basically starts paper macheting me. And I'm thinking at the time, like, am I going to make it back to Vancouver? Like, is <laughs> this, this is the end is of Corey Hirsch. <laughs> like, is, is this, am I going to get. And it ended up, you know, they did the mask, they put the two straws in your mouth. Um, and I had done masks before and what goalies, what other guys had done, uh, with iTech and all that was, is they just did the outer side of your face. Harrison did your whole face. And then he shows me all these molds of Ken Dryden's mold. Like all these guys, I don't know if he did Ken or, or it was a bunch of guys that he had from the 70. I thought that they had their, all their molds. And I was like, wow, is that really cool? I don't know if he still has them, but if he does, he should sell them because um, they could be worth a lot that of reminds money. Me of so the cool. First time I so went cool. to the Lefebvre factory, there yeah. was a mold up on the wall and you talk about iconic. Yeah. As soon as I saw the mask, the shape, it was like, that's Patrick's. No way. You just knew because Patrick's of the shape head. and because of the shape <laughs> of the shape of his mask over and, the years. So again, we identified goalies absolutely. with those types of things. And, I get why, 
But you're yeah. right. It, sometimes it feels even in an era where like Bauer can put anything on pads. Yeah. And some of the stuff they're coming up with is just fantastic. The colors and the brightness, we're seeing more color, but we're also seeing a lot of white and we're seeing a lot of masks that kind of look the same. And yeah, it kind of feels like at a time when maybe there should be more personality than ever, it feels a little whitewashed. Yeah, it really does because everyone's gone to white goalie equipment. Everything is mass produced now. So you've got to pump out all these masks. Bauer's got to pump out all these masks with, and there's, there's no time to, for that, for character anymore. Cause you want it and you want it today as a goalie now. Um, but back when I played, it took you a month to break in a set of pads. It took you a month to break in a glove. So it didn't, you know, it wasn't like you wanted it tomorrow so that you could wear it and so that you could wear it in Saturday's game. It was, eh, you got it. You, you wanted it as quick as you could. It felt like Christmas when you got it. But you still knew it was going to take you three or two or three weeks to break to break it in. Um, but as far as uh, you know, it just like I said again, it was it was it was about the character, about the personality, and it was almost like you know, it was almost like playing dress up, and it was just I I, I yeah that that's what I miss in today's game. Um, and I'm sure you've talked to a ton of other goalies. That oh, yeah. And there's, say and the there's still thing. some like Henrik yeah. Lundqvist's uh, Statue of Liberty yeah. oh, logo. So cool. Like those yeah. have become iconic for him. And so yeah. there's still guys. So, so let me ask who was your guy growing up and did gear play a role? Like, did you have a goalie? It was and Mike Palmatier. It was no Palmatier. And it was no question. It was Mike Palmatier. It was the Toronto Maple Leafs, that jagged mask. He told me a story about that mask. So that mask, uh, I got to work with him. And so that mask, he said, I don't know if he sent out an, uh, a, a thing of someone draw me a mask and I can't remember if the story was, and then that's how he did it. But it was a kid that drew that mask and he put, and that's how he ended up with that mask. And then again, it became iconic. And then you, do you, I don't know if you've heard a lot of those guys, those goalie masks got stolen a lot. Like Mike Palmatier's got stolen. He found it online like like 20 years later. Uh, I think John Garrett's got a story like that too. They might have, it. but there's a few guys that, uh, those goalie masks, like people would actually like steal them. And now we're finding them online. Well, and so Connor Hellebuck yeah. just got a new mask the other day. We saw it like a month ago and it was kind of like, what took so long? I can't hear Steve Nash painted for him. Turns out the mask we saw finally in the NHL the other day was the second one because the first one went missing in transit very mysteriously. <laughs> so, like, hey, I mean, I uh, guess, you know, if you're a UPS guy or whatever, not to throw a UPS, whatever, you're a delivery whatever. guy and All you right. see this like this... $2,500 paint job mask and it's an NHL guy and you have an opportunity. I don't know if they want them happens. or if they just feel like they, they can sell them or they just want, want like it. it's, yeah. Um, but yeah, Mike Palmatier was, 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 cause we got, I was in Calgary. We got Toronto games. That's what we got. That's how Toronto it was back there. Yeah. And it was on channel, I think channel six. And my dad would make me get up and change the channel. That's how old I am now. Instead, <laughs> there's no remotes, right? You had dad would be like, Hey, Get your ass over to the TV and change the channel. So you had to change it. Now, if he was your guy, what got you started? Like, how'd you start playing the position? My brother played, uh, he was a forward, but, uh, I remember going to the rink and I always just wanted to be the goalie. Like yeah, all of us are the same thing. We'd throw a tennis ball off the wall, watching hockey night in Canada. And, and, you know, you're four years old and you're doing that. Uh, but when I went to the rink, they used to give you the equipment. Right. So the, the community used to give you the, I don't know if they still do, but some do. Yeah. So you're six years old and you're like, uh, I remember asking my dad, I'm like, dad, he go ask the, you know, go ask the coach. I want to be the, and he's like, no, 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 no. He's like terrified. He's want his kid to be, he's like thinking I'd never have the confidence to do it. Six year old kid, but that's how badly I wanted to be a goalie. So I went over the coach, grabbed the, I remember it was in a plastic bag. Like it, it's, 
I remember nothing from when I was like six years old, but I remember vividly the goalie equipment in a large plastic, clear plastic bag sitting there. And I remember going over and just like almost claiming it. So I couldn't tell you, um, you know, the events of, of who was president or whatever back, but I can vividly see the equipment sitting there grabbing it. And then that's how I became a goalie. But back then, here's the difference uh, than today. I play, I was the only goalie on my team until Bantam. There okay. wasn't two goalies. So you just got to so keep playing. So you just play. You just kept playing. And I was always just good. Like, not to, hopefully, I don't want to sound it, but I was just always good. So nobody's like, oh, Corey's the goalie. That's just what it was. And so I just played. Staked your claim yeah, and played and right I never, through. never played forward, never always played goalie. Okay, so from right up until the Calgary Canucks, AJHL, and then quickly into the Kamloops Blazers, yeah. Blazers in the Western League. Is there a point there? It's so funny when I talk to guys who played in different eras. Nowadays, you would have had a goalie coach from the time you're, hey, if you started at six, you might have had one at six. Yeah, no. Back then, I'm guessing you had no goalie no. coach. We're talking, now we're talking 88, 89, first year in Kamloops, probably no goalie coach, no. self taught. What, how, you know, at what point in that process did you see this as something that I can make a living? I can be, I can, the NHL became something you thought about. You know what? I, from the time I was 10 years old, okay. I, like, I don't know if you've had other guys say that, um, but. Well, the, a lot of guys time, dream about it, but from 10, yeah. did you think it was a realistic thing? Being, probably being an idiot from Calgary, <laughs> I believed it. And I just believed it all the way through. And like, I was going to play in the NHL. That's just what it was. Um, and, 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 uh, so when it really started to change for me though, was that I played for the Calgary Canucks and I got invited to team Canada's, um, development camp in the summer. Okay. Dave King invites me there. I'm 15 years old. And, uh, I go to this camp and it's all drafted, newly drafted guys. So they're good because they used to have a national team back then. Right. So they were, they would build a team and it's all really good hockey players. And I go to this camp and I'm 15 years old. I, I'm, and like, I'm like, I'm tearing it up. Like I'm doing really well. And then I remember, um, you know, going into the locker room and guys are like looking at me like I'm 15, like I'm 120 pounds. I'm just a kid. Um, and, and I remember some of them actually making fun of me. And, and the one guy's like, uh, asked me if I'd ever had sex with a girl before, <laughs> like one of the actual players. Dude, and I was 15. like, I was like, yeah, once <laughs> lying. Right. Like I totally lied. And they, and then he just starts laughing. Right. But that's how, so it was at that camp that I realized like, like, this is something that uh, and then Dave King actually offered me the opportunity to either stay in Calgary and play with the Canucks and practice with the Team Canada national team wow. when they were back or go to Kamloops. Okay. So Bob Brown gets wind of this, who's the GM of Kamloops. Him and Ken Hitchcock come to my house. So they come to my house, okay? And so Ken Hitch is like 500 pounds at the time. Like, he's a big man. Yep. And he comes in and sits at my kitchen table with Bob Brown. And, um, you know, we had these chairs that were like in an S shape. Um, and they didn't have any back legs. They were steel and Hitch sits in this chair and he's a large man at the time, like very heavy. My mom was mortified that the chair was going to break and it never did right with Hitch. So then, so then I get, so then we get to the, Hey, the school part with Hitch and they're recruiting me and Hitch goes to Bob. He says, yeah, we're going to fly out to the Western conference or to the Eastern conference this year. Right. Cause Camus was in the West. And uh, my parents are worried about missing too much school. And Bob goes, 
yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna fly out to the eastern conference this year so i'm like i sold i'm signed i deliver i go to Kamloops. february comes eastern swings come and i'm like hitch where's my plane ticket get on the effing bus hershey <laughs> there's no plane ticket <laughs> but in all honesty i couldn't have asked for a better place to play and hitchcock was a great coach and he's done an amazing thing with his weight he's done such a great um you know, like I, I saw him the other day in Edmonton. He looks fantastic. Uh, Bob Brown gave us a safe environment. Like it was just such an amazing place to play. I, I was so blessed to play there. So four years in Kamloops, Memorial Cups. Memorial in Cup which in of the, which I don't have it in front Lost of me. Lost in ninety. Okay. Um, Eric Lindros was on Oshawa. They won. Yeah, he, uh, he's pretty good. I heard he's a pretty good player. Everyone's like, hey, why don't you guys just fight him? Why don't you just beat him up? Yeah. Okay. He was six five, like two. 35 nobody was beating up eric lindros uh and then in 92 we ended up winning with daryl sidor scott niedemeyer were my defensemen yeah so, that's that's not a bad deal yeah, for no, needs it was, and um, needs and sidor yeah a hall of famer and still probably the best player well not he was the best player I ever played with yeah. 91 drafted by the rangers yep 92 93 you start in bingo uh binghamton rangers yep. ahl uh get four games up with new york um what was what was the transition like to pro for you what, uh... it was hard being away from home when i was 20 um i really uh my first year because i had billets all the way up and then i remember my 20 year old year i had an amazing year i was rookie of the year in the ahl had a great it was 35 and four like that was my record got called up to um holy crap yeah, yeah i'm just i'm just got, I'm looking at it like like, and like four. i am tearing up the league on the ice off the ice i'm an absolute disaster I'm not sleeping. I'm having anxiety issues. I'm like having panic attacks. Uh, I'm really not doing very well, but on the ice is my, like my safe place, right? Like it's like I get on the ice, I get focused. I'm, I'm just, uh, doing amazing. Uh, and it was, it was a tough year. It really was. I, I played my first two NHL games, played them very well, uh, ended up playing a couple games at the end of the year where the season was pretty much done. Mario lit me up for like three, three on me, two on Richter. And it was the Mario Lemieux show. So I ran into that. Um, you, you did, yeah. I think, sounds like, you know, I mean, I yeah. think there's quite a few guys. That I was the only one. Yeah. Then. Yeah. You were Kevin Lowe sat one. beside me, said, Hershey, you won't be the first one. You won't be the last. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what was, what was Mike Richter like? I mean, there's a guy Ricky that was I think awesome. sometimes gets overlooked awesome. in the conversation of all time. Great. Like he, you know, one of those yeah. guys. Um, probably one of his legs was two of mine like it was like he was a fitness machine and he had tree stumps for legs he won the fitness award like every year he was in and as a guy like just a just a great character person um i have nothing but good things to say about about uh mike richter and the other guy was john van beesberg beezer was good to me too and beezer's historically he wasn't he was known to be a little bit some guys he was good to some guys he, he as far as goalie partners um but he uh, he he took me for dinner after my first ever NHL exhibition game. Like he was really good to me. Yeah. Now, now this is this this is where you know we tie into the article that you wrote in yeah. Players Tribune. Oh yeah. This is that you mentioned the anxiety and everything yeah. you were going through. Is this where it came to a head, or what? Did, was this something that you've had to continue? You had to continue to deal with throughout your pro career. Yeah. Like, no. So so I have obsessive compulsive disorder, which. Uh, you know, it's almost, I can tell you the day, the time, everything of, of kind of when my brain just kind of, I guess, broke would be the word. Depression's a little different. All their anxiety issues are different. They, they can kind of creep up on you over time. It's a slow kind of what happened in your childhood, blah, blah, blah. 
I had a great childhood, had great parents, great everything. Um, OCD is just kind of a disconnecting of wires, I guess, in your, in your brain, um, is how the best way I can describe it. So, yeah. So my second year, uh, I go with the Canadian national team, win a silver medal at the Olympics, uh, with the New York Rangers on a run to the Stanley cup. And when this just kind of something just kind of breaks, um, and without getting, I mean, we could, this could be an hour story, so we won't get into it, but, but from there on, I'm, I'm having severe mental health issues. And, um, with obsessive compulsive disorder, um, I could do everything. People think of hand washers. Well, I would do everything in my head. So anything repetitive or obsessive was going on in my own brain thinking wise. So you didn't see any outward actions by me, which, um, which is what makes OCD sometimes hard to diagnose. Cause it's all internalized. Yeah. So it's all, it's all in my own head. So you can't see it. Um, like most mental health illnesses, you can't see it. So anyways, uh, it gets, yeah, it gets to the point where I'm having debilitating panic attacks. New York Rangers win the Stanley cup. Uh, you're right now. Are you, are you on the bench at that point? No, I'm the third so goalie. You're, you're, I'm so just you're the black Yeah, I'm the black okay. ace. Yeah. I'm the black ace. Um, but what a, an incredible moment to be part of. But here I am getting the, my picture taken with the Stanley Cup, what I've always dreamed of. And I'm just like, I typically, I want, I'm done. Like, I want to end my life. Like, I'm done um, because of I don't know what's going on and I don't want to live like this. So I get through that summer. I make an attempt on my life, which is the story. If you go back to read the Players Tribune article. Um, and of course, thankfully, I'm still here. Um, but I decide that I'm going to just hide it and live my life, right? I don't want anyone to know. There's stigma attached to the NHL. You don't want your teammates to know. You don't want your... It's a different time. Yeah, completely different time. Uh, nobody really understood it. So three years later, eventually with mental illness, it's like a broken leg. You have to deal with it. You're not going to walk around three years with a broken leg and not deal with it and try and play in the National Hockey League. It's just not going to happen. So I reach out to a trainer. I get some help. This year in um, Vancouver. I'm in Vancouver. With the and this, this is the point. Coles notes. Like this is, yeah, this is yeah, the Coles yeah. notes of the story. But... Here's my here's my take on all of this, and this is what I would like to tell anybody that's listening that's struggling. Is I spent three years in hiding, right? Made one attempt on my life, was about to make another, and decided to reach out to a trainer. So Mike Bernstein, the trainer of Vancouver Canucks, he hooks me up with a therapist. Therapist comes to my apartment in Vancouver because I don't want to go out somewhere, and I don't want any people in Vancouver know me. I don't want to be seen. I'm in mental health. Like I don't want to be seen as crazy. Right. he diagnoses me within 20 minutes. So I suffer with panic attacks, almost ending my life, um, hating life, miserable. In the uh, National Hockey League. In the National Hockey League, and I'm diagnosed within 20 minutes, right? And from there on, no, it wasn't an easy road, but um, you know, I was able to get help. It took me a while to get the proper help after that, but um, there's a, and then it just was like, really? You know, 20 minutes you came and diagnosed me and I went through all of that. Um, And that's why I encourage people, just don't be afraid of what's going on. Go get the help. But to to backtrack again, because this is a little more hockey orientated than than mental health. um, You know, it's, I I played in the Olympics, uh, you know, played with with, uh, New York, uh, Stanley Cup, um, broadcaster, uh, goalie coach in the National Hockey League. And my point is, is that there's a lot of people out there that think that, okay, I have a mental illness, that I can't be successful. Well, I mean, you look at what Robin Lander's done, um, incredible stuff. So don't tell me you can't be successful if you have a mental illness, but you have to go and get the help. So that's kind of, um, 
you know, a little off topic on the gold. Oh, hey, no, but, but it's that's a message the thing. Like, to get out there. As long yeah. as you're comfortable with it, it's not, oh, off God, it's yeah. not off topic because yeah. you mentioned Laner. We've seen yeah. it with Ben Meisner. Um, there are other, oh, there's goalie, more out there. there are I know other there goalies are, yeah, that absolutely. we both know in the national hockey league that are struggling with this yeah. and some ju- just choose to get help behind closed doors rather than go, which public. is their prerogative, which absolutely, is awesome. Absolutely. 100%. As long as you're but, getting help. Absolutely. But what I love about what you did and what Robin's done and, and being yeah. active now with the same here movement and there's, and there's other guys too, is it opens up a discussion that a lot of people weren't having. Uh, Justin Goldman at the Goalie Guild has started his Lift the Mask I, initiative. I've spoken with Justin. Yeah, so, awesome. You know, opening and, and give, providing that outreach. And, and, and like you said, it's, it's about being comfortable going and getting help. I wanted to ask you, do you think, like, do you think we're, there's just more of us goalies that have been open about it? I, or is there I, yeah. something about that? Like this is a position that can be very solitary. Oh, absolutely. You internalize a lot. The yeah. pressure is unbelievable. Like, like, is it a coincidence that almost all the names we've talked about here are goaltenders? I think we're more apt to be open. I think because we're that we we deal with so much stress and pressure as it is that we're just kind of like screw it. I just whatever. I don't care. Um, but you know, as far as hockey goes, hockey is not the reason that I had a mental illness. Hockey saved me, really. I, I, I'm not sure I'd be here today without hockey. Um, but so anybody that, that tries to tell you that hockey created their mental illness, um, I don't believe that. I don't buy that. It's years of, of different things. Um, Robin Lehner, him and his story, that is just absolutely incredible. It says compulsive disorder is one thing. What Robin Lehner went through is, is another. Like, um, and I'm just it's so proud of him and what he's done for mental illness. Um, and what he's shown that you can, I mean, this is a guy that was up for a Vesna last year, best goalie in the National Hockey League. So, you know, if you're a coach out there, don't give me any of this crap that if my goalie has, has mental health issues that he's not going to be good enough to play for me. Michael Phelps has 23 gold medals. He has depression issues. Well, I'd take Michael Phelps on what my swimming team any day. I don't know if I'd put him in that. We're not, but, we're not, we're, yeah. And we're but, not, we're not putting you on a swimming team. I've seen him in trunks. Yeah. We're not putting you on a swimming so team. So that's she. the thing is, that's the thing that we're all worried about as players is if that somebody else knows or a coach knows is that, well, they're going to get rid of me. Right. When in actual fact, I mean, Robin Lanner is probably way stronger than, than anybody I know. And I'd put him in my net any day, but there's the unknown. We're still in the unknown of the stigma. Okay. Um, some of those different initiatives like are there any ones that like today you spoke at a panel yeah you've gotten involved in it the way you've embraced this role um being an advocate being somebody that other people can talk to um has that does that help do you if therapy for me in a sense well i i a little bit yeah i I wondered if it could like it's also got to be hard like it's a lot of pressure you're talking about a lot of things you know all the time like how do you it's hard listening to other people. Some other people's stories are heartbreaking. I mean, there's suicide involved. There's lots of other things. But as far as when we're talking about goalies and athletes, um, so here's the thing about goalies and athletes is, is that when I was sick, I couldn't train properly. I couldn't eat properly. Um, I didn't sleep properly. So when, you know, when I did to get, go to get help, all of a sudden now I've become a better player because now I can train properly. I've gotten help. I can, I'm sleeping again. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm eating properly when you're in the midst of mental illness and all those things go out the window. So, you know, if anybody, for someone out there that's listening, like, and they're, they're, 
One of the things we're worried about is as goalies, and this is a this might be off tangent a little bit though, is, is that if I get help with my mental illness, maybe I won't be as good of a goalie, right? You go through that in your own mind. And I went through that too, is, is that... Um, in what sense? You thought it was giving you an edge in some way? Well, you think that your mental illness is who you are and that you it's actually helping you be a better goalie. And if I get rid of that, well, I'm already in the NHL or I'm already in the minors. I'm, I'm on my way to pro. I don't want to get rid of that because then what am I? Am I, does it going to be, if, if I go get help of me, is it going to make me worse? Right? So this, this is, this is, again, this is mental illness. This is the lie that it teaches you when in actual fact, I was a way better goalie after I went to get help than I was before. Because again, now I can train properly. I can eat properly. I can sleep properly. I'm dealing with staying in the moment. Uh, I'm not as anxious and worried. Um, so that's the, that, but that's the myth that mental illness creates is, is that, um, you know, your brain lies to you and it tells you all these lies. So again, if you, if someone out there is listening, you'll be a better player by going and getting help and you'll be better for your teammates. You'll be better for those around you. Like I withdrew from my teammates. Um, I wouldn't hang out with them anymore. I was losing weight. Like how could I have been a good goalie at that point anymore? I just, I couldn't. But then once I got the help, I became way better. But unfortunately back then, you know, nobody knew what to do with me and, and it was too late. Do you see, I think the stigma, did, yeah. did the stigma affect your career in a negative way? You think? I think it wasn't so much the Even stigma. Though you got help? It was the, um, it was the unknown. Nobody knew. Right. Like, so I don't blame the Canucks at all. They, they didn't know what to do with me because they'd never dealt with anything like that before. They just hadn't seen it. So uh, it's, it, it wasn't so much the stigma. It was the fear of the unknown that they just didn't know what to do. My own mother didn't know what to do, right? Like she didn't, she'd never dealt with anything like that. So now that we're educating ourselves, and this is where I want the NHL to get better at. And Dr. Shaw does an amazing, he's an amazing man, does an amazing job. Then the NHL does do a good job and they try and help as much as they can. But what they need to do is, is educate their coaches, their general managers, uh, and the players so they know what to look for and they know how to deal with it if it does happen to a player. Because I... 20% is the numbers, one in five. So there are four keeps, players on gotta, each team. Yeah, it's got to be more than just yeah. the goalies that are admitting it. And mental health doesn't discriminate. Right. I don't care if you're a lawyer. I don't care if you're a doctor. I don't care if you're, uh, um, you know, a politician, an athlete, a movie star. Forward or a defenseman. A forward it's not or just defenseman. The or if you're swinging a hammer for a living. Right. We're all, nobody is immune to mental health issues. It can affect us all. Well, I think it's so important and brave. And we've had this conversation with Clint Malarchuk, who does a lot of the same speaking. Clint's also amazing. dealt yeah. with some OCD issues. Um, that you guys put yourselves out there like that so that other people will feel supported and that it's safe to come for yeah. themselves. So I applaud you for that. Oh, thanks. But I still want to go back to the career. Please I got do. a few more. Yeah. Oh, well, we got um, off on tangent there. Yeah, it's a good tangent. It's a positive tangent. It's a, it, not from a, the experience, but from your willingness to share it, so it can help others. So, um, Canucks, we we talked about ninety four. Yeah, we all know about the stamp. Oh yeah, the stamp. We know about the four. <laughs> we know about the Forsberg. So Swedish stamp, the Forsberg move, the gold medal game. Yeah, the brand. Like, what? how much do you have to? You won a silver medal at the Olympics. A Hall of Fame player. Yeah, at least it wasn't some slug, right? Beat you in a shootout <laughs> with a Hall of Fame move that is now mimicked everywhere. It's unbelievable. 
Like, but when you're now a color commentator for the Canucks and Elias Peterson makes yeah. that move on Mackenzie Blackwood last year, and it's just like, oh my god. Yeah. And you're like, I saw that first. Yeah. Like how? Like everybody? Like. Yeah. How do you deal with all the people like me who ask this stupid question? People think it, it doesn't bother me at all. Like I, I could care less. Yeah, it was silver metal, and it was a great move by Peter Forsberg. And it's so cool that that's what it's called. It's actually so when 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 you look at things, when I look at my life and I look at everything, that happening made me relevant in history. Okay, so when you look at everything that I've gone through with mental health, and sorry not to bring me back to mental health, but if you look at what I've gone through with mental health, um and everything in my story coming out, that moment is what made me relevant. That moment is what allowed me to tell my story in the Players' Tribune and get all the, you know, the the audience views and everything because people remember me as the goalie from the Olympics that Peter Forsberg scored. So it gave me a bigger platform and an audience. So it's, you know, it's an amazing kind of circle of how that all happens. If that doesn't happen, does anybody really know who Corey Hirsch is? Well, you played 108 games yeah, in the NHL, despite but, going through yeah, all this. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You, know, I, I, you, you I, yeah. won Memorial Cups. Yeah. You have an Olympic silver medal without the, like, yeah. whether it's Forsberg or somebody else shooting with a wrist shot. Yeah. Like, I, I still think a lot of well, people would have known who Corey Hirsch was. Besides, he still got that the Hitchcock psycho mask, which <laughs> that's in the Hall of Fame, isn't it? it yeah, it so, is. So uh, Corey Hirsch is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, and that mask is from basically what we what we talk about is, is that I always felt an obligation to um, be somewhat cool as a goalie, like to always have a cool mask. And I felt like that was an obligation to me because I loved it when other goalies had a burden cool masks. obligation or just a no. I just loved it. Okay. That's what I wanted. Like I wanted to be Mike Palmatier. I wanted to be Ken Dryden. Um, but as far as yeah, as far as going back to the stamp, that was also you know that was also a little bit of bad advice. My agent's like, okay, well you know what, I'm going to ask him for fifty grand to, to be on the stamp, right? Because I mean, it was sweet. I'm like, man, an agent. I was like, okay, I was a 21 year old kid. I was like, all right. And then, uh, and then, it, yeah, I'll be honest, I knew you ended yeah. up on the stamp. And, then it, there was and then it ends up, they're like, no, we're just going to change the likeness of it. And then, okay. So then I went on with my life. Right. But that's how, and then I got some bad publicity of it. I, I didn't even really, I, I wasn't even, even really part of it. Part. I, just knew I wasn't even really stamp. part of it. I was just a dumb kid that was like, oh, agent funny. says, okay, well, you know, if they want to use your likeness, well, they should pay you for it. And I was like, Okay. You know that, and that's how all that went down, and it, it just ended that's up funny. being bad kind of publicity. But I didn't I get, even like I said, like, I write that I, off to be a stupid kid. I don't even think like I don't know that a lot of people even remember the bad that, that there was a bad. Oh, there was. I just, yeah. I just remember the yeah. stamp itself. Yeah. Do you have any? I do, but I don't, I couldn't even tell you where they are now. I think they're in a storage unit somewhere. I sent a bunch of uh, when I went over for the '95 World Championships. I sent a bunch of them over on postcards to my friends back home. And we just had a good laugh about That's it. That's hilarious. Yeah, so, but I do so have some somewhere. You guys are getting somewhere. postcards from the 95 yeah. World Championship. I do, I do have some somewhere. Yeah. You have to oh, be dead to be funny. on a stamp in the U.S. So I guess I should be happy I'm on one. I'm alive. <laughs> okay. So Canucks, 98-99, Washington Capitals, 2000-2001. A lot of time in the American Hockey League yeah. from kind of, not a lot of time, but a lot of different teams bounce around a bit. Oh, two oh three with the Stars. Um, what do you what like? What are your memories of that era? Are you uh, learning how to deal with everything? Yeah, so yeah, so now or? I'm doing well. Like now I'm doing really well. Um, I remember my last NHL game out of all that, uh, where I knew I got I got a start from Dave Tippett in Edmonton. Oh two oh three. Yeah, and I knew that if I didn't play, well, it was going to be my last chance ever. 
Um, and so I there's, went. That, that's yeah. just a little bit of pressure. So I go into this game and I get the start, and it's in Edmonton, and I never played well in Edmonton. I just could not. I just it was that we all have rinks and guys and and that we play well in, and then we have uh, places we don't play well. Like you look at Pecorini. What's his record in Pittsburgh? It's awful. He's in the Stanley Cup Finals against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, and he I just, remember Luongo in and Minnesota. it's just is out. Yeah, we all. It was like yeah. that was just like his. That was and that you was can't. His Lex you don't know why. Kryptonite. Yeah, and you don't know why, and you can't figure. But you just don't play well in those buildings. M2 so you've got a lot building. of positive thoughts going into oh this game. Oh my god! So I'm like, and this is yeah. So I don't even sleep that afternoon because I'm like, I, I know it's going to be my. And sure enough, I think we're I think we're tied two two going into the third, and the puck comes to me behind the goal line, and I go to fire up a pass up the boards, and it hits Darian Hatcher in the shin pads. He's my defenseman, and those are big shin pads. And it goes right to somebody in the slot, and they bury it, and I'm standing in the corner, and it's three two now, and I'm just like, that's it. I guess this is it. Yeah, we ended up losing. I think four to three. But it, that was, yeah, that was it. That was, uh, and that was my first NHL start in God a long time. But I knew that, that it would be if I didn't play well. And that's okay. Um, it's okay. Like it's, I'm glad that I got a last start. A lot of guys don't get that. I got one last start, which is, which is pretty cool. Okay. And so after that year, you spend three years playing Sweden. Yep. Germany and then back to Sweden. What was that experience like? You you end up ironically back in yeah. Sweden, where you're, love Sweden. You're famous for the stand. Love Sweden. Great people. Like got a lot of still have a lot of friends that played Malmo. Great city. Timro, uh, which Pedersen's from uh, Sundsvall, which is just outside of Timro. Uh, didn't have a good experience in Germany. Um, Switzerland, I went to, and then there was the lockout. Remember the lockout and all the year, all the players. So Martin Gerber comes over and he takes my job in Switzerland. Oh, that was the 0405. So then That's I got right. to go from to Switzerland to Germany. Right. Um, I got to go to Switzerland to Germany, but I liked, I liked Switzerland. I could have played there. Um, and then the next year I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. I played in the B league in Sweden. Uh, Cause they were trying to get back up in the A league. We got back up in the A league. So, so I'm you're, one you of the, finished yeah, on a high note. I'm very, one of the very few guys that, I know it was Sweden and it was the B League, but I won my last game. So, right, I look at it like, yeah, I won my last game. Hey, and listen, like yeah. it's funny because I mean, here in Vancouver, we uh, we got to know Jonathan Dolan when he was with yeah. the Canucks for a couple of yeah. years. His dad was Alf Dolan, and talking to him and Pedersen, yeah, it was actually Timra for them just a couple of years yeah. ago, where Pedersen was already up, but but Dolan helped them win that and uh, get that's where out. I played. it was a relegation tournament to get back into the Swedish elite league and winning that championship. I remember Peterson telling me, cause Peterson won like player of the year yeah. and all these awards. And I remember Petey telling me last year before the season, he's like, yeah, I had a great season, but I didn't, you know, I didn't single-handedly carry a team to a championship and back yeah. to the main league. So like, that's a big deal over there to get a team out of, out could of being imagine, back up to the Swedish could league. Could you imagine if the NHL had a relegation? Oh, so what yeah, happens is for anybody out there listening that wants to know is, is that the bottom two teams have to play to stay in the elite league. And then the two top teams in the B league and they have a playoff and it's nuts. And it's like every game is a game seven and then everyone's and trying to get back into and it's it's actually pretty cool. See, and you came out on but top. Could you imagine if like the Kings last year would the Kings finish last? And then who finished last? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, pretty I don't sure remember. It was, Ottawa. it was the Kings, or was it? Oh yeah, it was Ottawa. So could you Sorry, imagine Ottawa. if the Ottawa got relegated and Binghamton came into the NHL <laughs> or Utica? Right? 
<laughs> like that's that's what that's it would what it be was. like. That's what you it would were be guiding like. the Utica. Yeah. So, so you say you uh, went out on top. So yeah. from there, and we've taken up way too much of your time, but let's let's quick transition. Um, yeah. Coaching. You spent coaching. some time. You spent some time yeah. as a goalie coach. You're with the Blues. Um, yeah. Walk me through that transition. With Toronto. Started coach, with Toronto. That's right. Oh, coach with Francois Lair. What was that like? So, like you so, are you are more of a been there done that guy. Is that fair to say of your career? Like your yeah. career. You would have had goalie coaches, but were you a real technical guy? Uh, I was, that, did that evolve over time? Yeah, Mitch Korn, when I was in Nashville, changed. Oh, so Mitch Korn gave me another seven years of my career. So I you would, started with Harrison and the Yoda of masks, and yeah. you went to the Yoda of goalie coaching I with did. Korn and Mitch in Korn, I, we can't forget about it. He, he, put a, he gave me about another seven years pro because he taught me how to play butterfly style because I was total stand-up style goalie. I was, I'm only 5'10", right? You right, had to play stand-up. So that would have been 99-2000 with Milwaukee. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so, so in the organization, in the Pareds organization. So then, you know, learning all that was great because Mitch, but it carried over and then I learned more myself. And then, so I get with the Leafs, I got, guess who my goalies were? Toscala and Cujo. So Cujo's on his last legs. Like he's, he's done. Like he's, he's done. Uh, like he can't, he, uh, from, and he's a great goalie. And I'm 36. Cujo's like 38. He's older than me. And I'm coaching Cujo, right? It's a guy that, it's a guy that I idolized. What do you want to do today, yeah. Curtis? What do you want to do? And he's just like, all right, just run me through some drills. He was like, Cujo's the best man alive. And then I had Toscala. And Toscala, um, he did not want to work. Uh, he didn't want to do anything. And he just kind of was, he just wanted to go back to Finland. And that was it, right? That was, we saw what he what happened. Um, so I didn't have a very good experience in Toronto. And then Francois Allaire came in, um, and I was supposed to work with Francois Allaire and they, and, uh, Frankie was very secretive. Like he didn't want anybody knowing his stuff and we all know Francois and he took his goalies. So I'm supposed to be working with him with Toronto and he goes on the ice and he's like, I don't want you on the ice. I'm like, okay, well, and then I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Well, so I go sit in the stands he takes the goalies down to the other end of the ice, so I can't hear anything he's talking about. This is the guy I'm supposed to be working with with the Leafs, <laughs> but that, that's that's Frankie, right? I mean, that 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 probably nobody else is surprised. But so, anyways, I spent a year with the Leafs. End up getting hired by St. Louis. Uh, great experience. St. Louis had Bishop, Jake Allen, drafted Jordan Binnington. Went up to Owen Sound, worked with Jordan Binnington. What did you see in Jordan? Here we go, Stanley Cup. Just a very Jordan athletic, raw guy. I didn't think I I thought he'd be a goalie. I mean, like I, thought, I, I, I very athletic. I didn't think he, you know. I mean, do you ever think he's going to do what he did last year? I mean, he didn't even think he was going to do what he did last year. Um, but we saw the raw athleticism, absolutely. Um, and uh, he was the guy that that we had to put backwards motion into his game, a little bit of backwards flow, flow in his game. Yeah, and I think that helped him. But give ben, anybody out there that says they want credit for Jordan Bennington, you know what? You can go screw yourself, Jordan Bennington um Gets he went out there and, and he did he did it and he was written off and um got a chance to play and ended up just running with it and i'm so proud of that kid um and he's a man now i shouldn't call him a kid but i remember him as a kid but like what he did and where he was like he was he was done and it's just i love seeing that because there's so many good 26 27 year old goalies out there that aren't getting an opportunity that they just need a chance now broadcasting yeah how do you find that line i mean you've been on every side of it yeah you got to call a spade a spade you got to be honest with your audience you sometimes yeah. but you also have relationships with these guys how yeah. do you walk that line do you enjoy it i i do I, I i find some days it's hard to walk into the locker room because you've 
somebody doesn't play well like i try to be honest i'd never never malicious that that is like that is offside for me never being malicious with somebody but be honest a, a fan knows when mark markstrom doesn't play well i know when markstrom doesn't play well i might give him a little leeway on on if he was screened or something but um my job is to be honest about that and i've talked with marky about that too but when they do play well when markstrom plays well or a goalie plays well i need to be the first guy to say that was a fantastic game by Jacob Markstrom. And, and, and so there's a fine line of, of balancing that, you know, and you don't want to, you don't want to go over the line of a bad goal and just completely beating somebody up. Cause that's not cool. I wouldn't want someone to do that to me, but I got to be honest. Um, and if it wasn't a good goal, it wasn't a good goal, but make sure you're the first guy when this guy makes a great save that pass you make sure that you pass the credit on. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we could get into some gear, probably have some questions oh there. Goodness. Why don't we save that for part two another day? We're gonna part I'll two? pass All the right. credit on today, Hershey, and say thanks for taking the time awesome, to do man. this. It's and great. again, just good on you for being brave enough to share oh, your story you. yeah. with everyone and then continue to be out there and out front helping yeah. people that need it. So thank you very much for oh. your time and thank you very much for all your efforts. Thank you. And, and you have a great following. And if you're out there and you're listening and you're struggling, go get the help. It'll be the best thing you ever do. You guys did a couple of laps around the world there. That yeah. was good. Much like his career, he was all over the place. It was funny because yeah. I knew about the stamp, right? And like I was telling him, like, I don't remember the controversial part of that story. I don't either. That was brand new to me. Yeah, I told him. He did, probably didn't have to tell anybody that. Nobody would have remembered it. We just would have known about the stamp and not that, you know, you, what, as he said, just an error in judgment. Someone give me some money if you're going to put my likeness getting beat by Peter Forsberg. But um, yeah, uh, just... Again, uh, I applaud him for being as open as he is about all this because it encourages other people to do the same and and um, other people have followed in his footsteps, sharing their stories. And I think the more we can talk about these things out in the open, the better everybody is. I can't remember, and I apologize, but who is the backup goaltender on that Olympic team? Because... Wasn't he because supposed to start? Wasn't yeah. There a- well, or, or not, maybe not start, but in the shootout, the other goaltender was was thought to be uh, a little more skilled or uh, adept at the shootout. And they would have, Tom Reddy would have switched goaltenders in the shootout, uh, but he, but just wasn't available because he got hurt, uh, hurt and warm up in that game. Manny and, Legacy. Oh, was it? Really? Manny Legacy. So now we have to ask Manny when he's in town. Yeah. With the, with, unless it was a lane walk, because there was three of them. So it was I think Ma- it was a lane walk. Manny Legacy and a, and a lane walk. So it's just uh, how, how things all work out and, and he ends up on, on, on a stamp. But one of the big, great things uh, in my career as, as a goaltender and a gear nerd was uh, when I was at Sportsnet, he brought the pads, those those pads in. I was going to say that's something you didn't ask about. And yeah. just to be able to sit there and, and, and like, handle those pads and put them up against your leg everything that we do that, that, that was cool those I love Heatons those pads are one of my favorite sets of all time oh they it's funny just... too because he talked about we you know before we went on the record we were just chit-chatting over dinner before we went on and did the interview at his place and uh, he talked he was talking about um, gear companies and, and how much he missed Brian Heaton yeah um, mm-hmm. And how saddened he was at his passing, and how just how what a good person he was as well, and how he was just always about helping 
the goalies. And uh, it's funny, Elaine was now an agent, right? So we're going to have to get him on. And the other thing is the gear. You're you're talking about the pads, Darren. He yeah. had he had a Harrison mask in his apartment there, uh, the one with the the native theme design. And so I was holding that, and we were talking about that as well as he, as he walked us through the story of being fitted by Harrison. And here I am, I'm like like I'm holding a Greg Harrison mask. Like to me, that was pretty freaking cool, especially one that had been worn in the NHL. And there's there's these chips from the shots and everything, and it's just like. It's, I mean, his, 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 um, Hitchcock psycho masks in the hall of fame. Here I am holding another one. He wore in the NHL, this Greg Harrison mask, just sitting as an apartment. It was a pretty, pretty, pretty cool experience for me too. I can't believe he took the shot at Hitchcock though. (laughs) They just, the goalies and coaches just, they, they never forget. They, they, they always find a way to, to throw in a jab, but, uh, that was, uh, that was really well done and, uh, well-timed as well. Whether you, you planned it or not, uh, good on you for admitting it, but, uh, but things work out for a reason and, and good on you. All right. Good on Corey for taking the time too. Like I said, he'd had a very long day. Um, but we'd made this appointment and he was sticking to it come hell or high water. And I'm glad he did. Cause I really enjoyed the conversation. Hacha, I'm curious, just as a father of a, of a young goaltender, you pay a little bit more attention to mental health because of the awareness uh, of the position and, uh, life, uh, I mean, life is tough as it is, but then you throw the stresses and, and different, uh, uh, anxieties of, of, of playing the position or is it just like you would any other kid? I, I don't know. I guess the first thing that comes to mind with all of those things is just, are you having fun, period? So mm-hmm. it's 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 the layer that comes beyond all that. It, if it ever got to the point where I was worried about my kid's mental health, I, I think we would have gone way too far down that road. And I'm glad that, that Corey said that, uh, you know, hockey saved him, if anything. And, and I like to think that hockey's the thing that, uh, for so many of our kids, goalies, non-goalies, uh, gives them so many things beyond the rink in terms of self-confidence, in terms of leadership skills and so on. And, and I think for my guy, that's, uh, that's absolutely the truth. So I like to think it gives him strength, um, that, that maybe makes him stronger in a lot of other areas of his life. So I'm not really worried about the mental health. I, the other one I wondered guys, just listening to this and I don't want to take it too lightly, but I almost wonder whether it's okay for goalies to talk about this and to feel this more than players because everybody sort of sees us as a bit different anyway and and maybe it's just a little bit more okay for us and maybe it there's more of a stigma for players just well that's just something that came to mind kind of ties into what Corey was saying yeah, i mean yeah. um you know i asked him like we, we we talked about all these examples from malarchuk uh to ben meisner to you know, obviously Robin Lehner, um, and, and me and Corey talked about it. We know a lot of other guys too, goalies that, that have similar stories and not all have decided, you know, in the national hockey league have just not all have decided to share them yet. Um, but as he said, like, like it's not because they're goalies, like the disease, these, it's a disease and it doesn't discriminate. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's, maybe there is something there in terms of it's the goalies that are coming out. I think he said, what is it? 20%. So one in five. So chances are, it's not just the goalies in locker yeah. rooms. If you could mm-hmm. go around and do the math well, and, and maybe there's just a reason that there's that willingness for goaltenders to come out and share those things. It's such a solitary position. And I'd always kind of wondered if, 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 if the two were tied in terms of that's why. And so it was, it was, it made sense when he said it and it was good to hear it. And it was kind of enlightening that no, like this, you don't have a mental health issue because you're a goalie. It's irregardless. But 
in a position that does create all those stresses, uh, maybe that's why there's more of a willingness to, to, to go get help and share and encourage others to do the same. Let me throw this one at both of you. Mm-hmm. We live in a world of political correctness. So knowing what you do through the education uh, of, of mental health and the way it impacts goaltenders in, in particular, is it still okay to say a, the goalies are wacko or goalies are crazy or crazy goalie? Crazy goalie. People do it all the time. And yet, yeah. like the, the truth is, it hasn't really been true for a long time, has it? No. Like, 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 I go into locker rooms yeah. and talk to these guys all the time, and there's different personalities, just like there are different personalities with forwards and defensemen. And, and yeah, we have maybe some superstitions, but I see players with tons of superstitions. We have routines to get us prepared to play, and some of them may look a little different in terms of, you know, like we see the Connor Hellebuck doing the pregame visualization, and they put the Bumblebee music to it, and the eyes are going everywhere, and it's like, oh, the crazy goalie. Well, no. <laughs> it's actually a very specific exercise designed to warm up the muscles around the eyes. Like, these are just, these are preparations, and I think, I think for the most part, people recognize that now, don't they? I think that, like, if that stigma exists... Still, I think it's just one that's full of errors. It's it's not true. We're we're long past the Gilles Malosh um, reincarnation. Oh, Gilles Gretton. stories. Gilles Gretton. 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 Sorry, yeah. sorry. My yeah. my apologies to to both of them for just the mix up. <laughs> but yeah, we're we're yeah. you know we're we're kind of we're kind of past that stigma. I think maybe I'm wrong. Well, no, I don't think you are. I think it. I mean it. It probably came from the day when we didn't wear helmets, when Glenn Hall was putting bubble wrap on his arms so that he'd be a little safe out there. You had to be a little bit crazy to be a goaltender. Well, throwing up before every ago. game. Yeah. Although he did sort of tell us that that was a little bit over-exaggerated when we spoke to him. Um, but nowadays who are, who are the ones that, I don't want to say crazy, but you know, you're, you're blocking a shot. Uh, in forwards gear coming from Zidane Ochara, you're a defenseman clogging up the lanes in front of the net and the gear that you're wearing. I mean, we're the safest guys on the ice. I think we're the smart ones, not the crazy ones. And maybe it is tied into the gear. You're right, because you sort of did have to have a... You, you, had to have, you had to have that edge to be willing to do that. Now, yeah. like, I'm a 46-year-old beer leaguer who has no problem standing in front of the shots of guys who played at a, at a much higher level because I'm wearing professional-level equipment and then nine times out of ten, it doesn't hurt. No, and I and right. I would say that the people that I talk to now who feel that way, at least you know, around the kids' game, um, I, they seem to more emphasize that. Darren, you brought it up that the mental pressures, and that it's a lot that a kid has to go through, a lot that a parent has to go through, and maybe they see that as being a little bit weird today. And I hear weird more than I hear crazy, because um, I think you are right. We have to be careful with our terminology. Um, so yeah, I think it's changing. Well, good. Evolution is uh, is great. Evolution uh, without it uh, leads to extinction, and uh, we uh, we want to do that. Hey, it used to be just through the fat kid in net, right? Now we're the best athletes on the team. Well, with the exception of me, but and me, and and even though you're brightening up a little bit, uh, I think we've educated you uh, along the way. And uh, you know what? We're, we're going to keep having fun too, Woody. You come down to Vegas. We'll we'll be okay. We'll send dad some selfies. I'll stay home and feed the dog. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) 
<laughs> I look oh, forward to it. Beautiful. Uh, on behalf of Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison, uh, our thanks to Corey Hirsch for the uh, honest. Well, it's become uh, part of uh, his resume. The honest and entertaining conversation about both mental health and his career as a goaltender. I'm Darren Millard. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on In Goal Radio, the podcast. 